Right. You got your Bibles with you? Amen. It's time for the word of the Lord. Um, I need, uh, if Tim can do me, oh, sorry. Um, if Tim and Rob can come and give out a rock to each person, please, that'd be awesome. Tim can come and Rob can give a rock to everybody. Amen. Everyone can take a rock. You can start on that side over there as well. For those who are watching us Facebook Live, find something to put in your hands. You don't have a rock. Amen. I love the word. How about you? Come on. You've got to love the word of the Lord. He didn't say for us to like everything. It is said for us to love it. Amen. You have a rock, I want you to hold it in your hands. So you should have a rock and you should have your card that says life on it. If you have both of those items, please hold both of those items up. In one hand, you should have your rock and in the other hand, you should have your card. And as we progress in the message this morning, you're going to have to decide what you're going to do with the rock and what you're going to do with life. Anybody have a rock? Who needs a rock? Okay. We need a rock over here. Amen. Now, you're not going to throw the rock at me if I'm preaching something you don't like, right? So that's not the whole, it's not the whole purpose of having a rock. If you had tomatoes, perhaps, but uh, keep the rock. Amen. Keep the rock. Praise God. I got a bigger rock than everybody, so if you, uh, you, uh, <laughs> no, mine, I'll take her home, I'll get in trouble for do that, praise God, amen, amen, Let, let's pray, and then we're going to go to Galatians chapter 6, and then um, we're going to get right into the word of the Lord this morning. Kind and gracious God, we just thank you. We love you for all that you are doing in our lives. Um, we thank you for your love. Father, you, you've been downloading to me this fresh revelation of life. And Lord, um, I just believe that you're going to release something in our midst in the next 30 minutes, Father. That we're going to truly understand what it means to have life. The body of Christ... We speak life. You even declared, why seek the living amongst the dead? Didn't I say that I'm the resurrection and the life? Mm. Even though death is all around us, you declare that you have conquered death, hell, and the grave. We thank you. There it is. You're going to release something that's going to bring life to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Galatians chapter 6, we're going to be reading verse 1 and verse 2. And then we're going to go to verse 7 and verse 8. And hopefully within these scriptures, I'm going to be able to download to you what the Lord has placed on my heart in this place called life. In front of you, there are three banners, so to speak. 
And the purpose of the three of them is no matter where you turn this morning, you're going to see life right in front of you. The reason why there are cards on every seat is because I believe that God wants us to speak life. I want you to take that card and by faith, I want you to write on the back of what you believe in God for. We're speaking death way too much. If we put a tape recorder around you and we recorded your language, would you be speaking more life or would you be speaking more death? I was at work and I made a statement to one of my colleagues, my supervisor. And as I was leaving his presence, I just felt check in my spirit. And I was trying to eat my spaghetti and meatballs. Amen. And I couldn't because my conscience was telling me to go make your right. And I went back and I said, you know what? I said, can I talk to you for a second? And I didn't think I did anything wrong, but let me tell you, if you're going to live life, you've got to live by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's for someone here this morning. Don't try to attempt living this life without the Holy Spirit guiding and teaching you and directing you. Because he'll open doors for you that you try to open on your own and you're frustrated. And you're blaming God because the door hasn't opened yet. Rely on the Holy Spirit and he's going to open doors for you. That would be awesome. So I went back and I said, I apologize. I don't know that person that well. I said, they're my supervisor, they're my colleagues. I apologize at the statement. And then he goes, nah, man, you made me laugh. That was cool, we're great. And I said, that's fine. I said, I just want to make sure because I have to obey the Holy Spirit. I have to obey the Holy Spirit. And so what I want you to do then is, because I didn't want to speak death. That's when I left to I said, I'm not speaking death. I'm literally putting a guard over my mouth. Because I believe if we record the language that we speak, we speak so much death that we're not even aware of it because we don't know life. See, when you know life, you know the difference between death. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. You eat the fruit of whichever one you choose. And so in the back here, I'm going to encourage you as the pastor of this church to write what do you believe in God for on the back of this card. And I want you to speak it, put it on your mirror, put it in your Bible, so that when death is trying to enter into your life and discouragements come, you can open up the card and you can say, hold on a second, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that be not as though they exist, you're going to start declaring that. You're going to start declaring that. I'm not saying this name and claim. Come on, I'm talking about God's word. I'm talking about speaking God's word. Put the label that you want on it. I'm not going to limit God by putting some label on it. I'm just saying the word of God says to speak life. Amen? And that's what we're going to be doing at the church. So I want you to do that. Um, and so in your hand, you should have this card that you're going to write what you believe in God for. And in the other hand, you have this rock. And so in Galatians chapter 6, it says, Brethren or brothers and sisters, if a man is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore. Someone say restore. A powerful word of life, that word restore. It is an absolute powerful word. It means to go back to the original design that was in the mind of God. Write that down. Those who are watching on Facebook Live, that word restore literally is a transformational word. It's not just a word that's going to motivate you. It is a word that's meant to transform you. I'll say that again. Motivation will last as long as you're plugged in. And when you plug out because some distraction comes, you're no longer plugged into restoration anymore. But when you understand the transformational work of the Holy Spirit and you understand restoration, you know it's to go back to the original design that God intended for it to be. Why? Because God is life. So that messed up evolution. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. 
An easy way to destroy that theory is to bring truth. And the truth is God is life. So I'll write your assignment so I can graduate from this ridiculous class. But it's not going to change my conviction that God is life. And that's why lifestyles evolve because we don't understand how to speak life. And so they think because they don't know where life originated from, things can evolve. Oh, can I teach this thing? Come on, a church that is evolving and that's moving away from the word of God, you don't know life. You don't know life. We don't have to evolve to be relevant to the culture. we got to be committed and faithful to God's word who is life to the culture. And so he says here now, he says those who are overtaken in the fault. And this is really about how to do life together. That there are people in the church that we're, we're, we're going to sin. We're going to, to miss the mark. And he's talking more to the church here. Yes, to the unbelievers out there, we have to teach them about how to come to know life. But he's talking about how do we get along. In this context, the Apostle Paul just went in Galatians chapter 5. He talked about it between the lust of the, the work of the flesh and the work of the spirit. He says, here are the two things that are competing with each other. The work of the flesh. The work of the flesh is not your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Love your body. But, you know what I'm saying? But what he's talking about is the lust and the desires of the flesh. Because some people will not um, um, understand that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And they do all kinds of things with their body. Not knowing it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Am I teaching truth? That's what the Apostle Paul says. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? And so that is critical. But what he's talking about is the flesh. It's this work of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, uh, uh, the lust of the flesh. Every single issue, every issue is rooted in those three things. Every single one of them is the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes. Every single issue. You name the issue. You name the issue. I can take you back to those three things. Right? So, so, so if you're a counselor, and Brandy is starting to be a counselor, or she is a counselor, licensed, licensed counselor, in counseling then, from a Christian perspective, we know that we have to read all the different, like, no, you know, all that stuff, but you know you have the advantage because you know life. And when that person who's coming to your office needs is life. How do I live life? How do I live life? And so it's based on those three things that are rooted that we have to understand, okay? And so it continues on, it says, listen, in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest thou be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And right there, Christ is introduced. Christ, the anointed. Christ. Jesus Christ. That's why we believe prosperity is found in Jesus Christ alone. It can't be found anything else. He's saying right here that it's in the law of Christ. And now let's go to verse 7 and verse 8. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that he shall also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption, or as one translation says, destruction. But he that soweth to the Spirit, someone say, sow to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So here it is. He said, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. So all the things we see in our culture, they think they're winning. God says, you can't mock me. So let me declare, we are not intimidated by the culture. That media's job is to bring death, not life. And so we have to understand that God is not mocked. The moment, listen, I'm not saying give your heart to Jesus. I'm talking about you gave your life to Jesus. 
Because yeah, people can give their heart to Jesus because they feel guilty, but not give their life to Jesus. Because Jesus says, if I don't have all of you, I don't have any of you. And I know that's tough sometimes because there's compartments in our life, right? That, okay, you can come in the kitchen, Lord, but you can't come in my bedroom. Or you can come in my living room, Lord, but you can't come into this part of my life. And God is saying, listen, I will not be mocked. I want to be every part of your life. Every part of your life. And so he's saying here, he says, so, so here's the goal. Here's the assignment for this morning. Is that I, I'm praying that God is going to release the spirit of life and peace over you. That's what I'm going to pray. That we're not mocking God, we're not sowing to the flesh, that we're going to believe that the spirit of life and peace is going to invade the areas of your life where you need God to be Lord of your life. Is what we're going to believe for. Okay? What we're going to believe for. So here it is now, in the book of Genesis, we see that God is life. He created life. He designed life. He designed all that, that is important. Right? And so we move on now, and I believe that these three things, choose life, speak life, and live life, are all contained when God says, let us make man in our likeness and our image. I believe, he says, let us. So here he is now, uh, talking with the Son and the Spirit, saying, let us make man. Let us. Life. Let us. Not let, let us make man. He says, I choose life. In Genesis chapter 1. And then Genesis chapter 2, he shows us how he did that. And God breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living being. A living being. So in God, we understand now how life and living works together. That was God's original design, and that's what we need to be restored back to, to God with, right? Okay. So now when we look real quickly at the loss of life, and this is where the rock comes in now. When we look at the loss of life, Many of us, many of us, we look at death, the absence of our soul from our body, more than we look at the absence of our soul from the spirit. So when someone whose time to depart is at hand, we are more in grief than we are with somebody who is lost from his soul to the spirit. One is a separation from the physical body, and one is separation from the spiritual realm. And what he's saying is the reason why this separation, and please understand, I'm not saying you can't grieve and miss the person. But what I'm talking about is how to bring life. How to bring life. Because God has the ability in the midst of death to still bring life. Right? And so the world, they don't know how to handle it. So they say, have life insurance because I don't know how to address this issue of separation from the body and the soul. So have life insurance while you're living. But it doesn't mean that you have life. And what we're supposed to have is life assurance. Oh God. Because life assurance knows that though I'm absent from the body. Come on, you know your Bibles, right? I am in present with the Lord, with life. So I say that because when you gave your life to Jesus, you received eternal life now. Folks are waiting until they die to enjoy the eternal life. I'm here to tell you, you have eternal life now. Oh, come on, come on. You have eternal life now. And when you understand that, 
The spirit of life and peace will penetrate every area of your life and bring a resurrection. Oh my God. So if you have a dream that the enemy has tried to kill, the spirit of life and peace invades that and brings the resurrection. Right? See, see, I can't parent my children without the spirit of God. It is impossible. Because I'll get in the notion of the flesh, and I'm not saying I can't correct them, but I won't, and I may speak death over them. Did you watch a video about this, this child that was not behaving? It was a teacher over in Israel. And it said this child was nothing, but every day she spoke life over that child. No, you're not what they're saying. And she gets speaking life. She gets speaking life. She gets speaking life. And all of a sudden, the child who thought his life meant nothing, had no value, had to hear the word that was being spoken over. And she would come against us. No, you are a, a, a great child. You have great potential. You're a smart student. Get speaking life. Get speaking life. And all of a sudden, the child just changed. Because the power of speaking life. And so I can't, I can't even be a great husband without the spirit of God of life and peace. It's impossible without that. And so here it is that God is saying, he said, we must understand the separation. And so here's what God says in Ephesians 4, 8 about the loss of life. He says the loss of life didn't start with physical death. Because after Adam and Eve sinned, they were still living. And ready for this? They were still breathing. So they were living as a body and they were still functioning as a soul. But what was lost was the separation, or as Ephesians 4.18 calls it, the alienation from God. Not just from God, but from the life of God. He didn't say we were just separated from God. We were separate from the life of God. And so all of a sudden, I says the spirit is that quickening agent. That, that quickens us back now. And so now when we give our life to Jesus, we now have eternal life. I have to drive this point home because if you don't understand that you have eternal life now, you will live and sort of, you will live a certain way, a certain lifestyle, as opposed to living life the way that God intended for it to be. And so here it is now that Jesus demonstrates this in John chapter 8. This woman now is caught in, in adultery. And I said to you, the issue wasn't about the woman. It was about Jesus because what they were trying to do was to discredit Jesus. The goal of your flesh is to discredit Jesus. It's to discredit Jesus, not you. It's not about you. You may think it is, but it's not about you. It's not about me. It's to discredit Jesus. They said the reason why you be persecuted as a believer is not because of you. It's because of Jesus. The reason why they want us to be silent and can't preach and can't speak and call the hate crime is not for us. It's because of Jesus. Because Jesus brought life back in. And the enemy's all about death. So next time you have this holy boldness on you, understand that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And God is using you to bring life in that situation. Life in your place of employment. Life. Right? And, and that's so important. So here it is now that, that Jesus, they come and they do all the things. And, and they bring it before Jesus. And they said, Jesus! In the law of Moses, it says that this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, she is supposed to be stoned. We caught her in the very act, and so in our hands is we have the weapon of destruction. 
and it's in my hand. I'm just waiting for a word from you, Jesus, to what to do with it. And what's interesting is prior to Jesus coming, they were already using stones to kill people. So what's the deal now? It was to discredit Jesus. If I can get rid of Jesus, come on, somebody. If I can get rid of Jesus, if I, if I can take him out of prayer, out of school, come on, somebody. If I could just take him out of the halls of Paul, if I can just remove Jesus, then we'll be all right. We'll be all right. So here it is now. They have a rock in their hand. Here's what they're saying. What do you say, Jesus? What do you say? Write this down. Jesus now in Matthew says this. He says, I didn't come to destroy the law. Come on. I came to fulfill the law. Because you search the scriptures thinking in them you have eternal life. But they speak of me. I didn't come to destroy the law. They speak of me. And he says this. You know life is present. In a marriage, in a business, when you're parenting a child, where two things will show up. Write this down. You know that you are your chosen life when these two things manifest. Grace and truth. There's no other way to indicate or to identify life. If life is present, grace and truth has to show up. Because grace, we're going to see how Jesus operated in grace, and we see how Jesus operated in truth. And what they were doing was trying to discredit Jesus. And watch how brilliant, watch how Jesus is absolutely awesome. Someone say he's awesome. He's awesome. So he now... Good. And, he, and he writes on the ground and people are saying, we, we don't know what he wrote. We know where he wrote, but I'm asking God to tell me why he wrote. Because people have preached, well, he wrote the Ten Commandments or he wrote all their sins. That's good for preaching. But the Bible is silent on what he wrote. But it does say where he wrote was on the ground. And my question was, was why he wrote with his finger. So the first time, I believe that he wrote on the ground because he remembered Genesis 2 verse 7. And God formed them from the, the dust of the ground. He, he was going back to, 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 to God who was life. And so Jesus said, I choose life. Without speaking, he's speaking. He didn't say a word, he just wrote. And in writing, he was saying, I choose life. And I thank God that he's writing because I don't know what he wrote. I know where he wrote. I don't know why he wrote, but I believe the reason why he wrote was to give us our why for living. Was to give us our purpose. That he was writing out and says, I'm not finished yet the story of your life. That when you come to me, there will always be grace and truth. No matter what you're caught in, as long as you come to me. As long as you show up in my presence, oh God, it won't be a program. It'll be my presence that will transform everything. Because the law couldn't solve this issue with this woman. The law actually was manifesting her shame. And here it was now that she was in the midst because of her shame and people, men had to stone. And the decision had to be made. And so Jesus writes, he says, I, I, I choose life. And his next act was absolutely brilliant. 
He says, he without sin cast the first stone. And they knew that every single one of them, the law was manifesting their own sin because nobody was able to keep the law. Hence the reason why every morning a sacrifice had to be made in the old system of how to get back to God. Watch it. It required death in order for life to manifest. The first sign we see of death spiritually was when they were alienated from God or separated. The second one was watch. They tried to make fig leaves and cover themselves, but no, God says, no, I made clothing for them. An animal had to have been sacrificed for the skin to be burned. And they and God is so much of grace but truth. He says that man sinned, so they must pay the price, but only God is able to be the perfect sacrifice, and that's why we have Emmanuel, God with us. God is so brilliant because he understood this. If they would have taken from the tree of life, they would have lived in that condition forever. So wherever there's life, wherever there is life, there'll always be grace and truth. Always grace and truth. We have some places, it's all truth and no grace. I mean, you messed up. I mean, when I was going up in church, they brought you to the front, and it was more shame than it was correction. And I'm going to talk real quick about how people are leaving the church because of that. But then there's places where there's so many different types of grace. Oh, my gosh, everybody's getting it. I mean, no standards whatsoever. Put a mirror to their face. You're breathing. Yep, you're in. But life is in right there where grace and truth has to show up. You ought to shout about grace. Come on, somebody. You ought to shout about the amazing grace. Come on. There's times when I'm disciplining my children and they better thank God for his amazing grace. Huh? Because I can go to scripture, spare the rod, you, you spoil the child. Come on, somebody. Huh? Talks about beating the hell out of them. Come on, you know what I mean? Talks about that too. Just, I don't go overboard with it. You know what I mean? Because a, a lot of times those abuses, your anger and your flesh growling up. But there needs to be an element of, 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 uh, of truth there that, that's being taught. You know what I'm saying? So, so please understand that. Right? And so here it is now. And, and it's, it's, it's important that we understand that. So Jesus now, he without sin, cast the first stone. So that makes all of us then, every single one of us, see eye to eye. And that's just, if you have a plank in your eye, take it out first, because how can you see what's in your brother's eye if you've got something in your eye as well? So it says, let's see eye to eye because we're valued. So take that thing out of your eye. That's called grace. We just use the word compassion now or empathy. We, are, we use different words for now, but Bible calls it grace. The grace and truth we need. And so they all of a sudden now, and you hear the sound of the rocks just dropping. And I believe what happened. I was talking to Rob after, and he says, Hey, Ron, that was awesome. Uh, last Sunday's message. I believe he said it was awesome. Of course he said it was awesome. <laughs> if he didn't think it was awesome, it was awesome, awesome message last Sunday. And he's like, You should talk about how if we don't praise God, the rocks cry out. I said, I like that. I'm going to take that and I'm going to give you credit for it, but I'm going to preach it. And so I believe that when they dropped the rock, it's not the Bible, it's good preaching. I believe the rocks were saying, finally, we're not an instrument of death anymore. Oh, God. That now we can cry out and say, yes, 
This is what it's like to experience life. The rocks are just dropping. And even though they could have used the rock, they decided to drop the rock. And the Bible said everyone left from the eldest to the youngest. They all left. So grace was ministered to right there. He would have said, cast a first stone. And grace caused the rock to drop. Come on, we, we ought to take a praise break on grace right there. Is there anyone in this holy place that understands the grace of God and what it's done in your life? You have permission to open up your mouth because we will not let a rock take our place. Open up your holy mouth and give God some praise. I don't think you're hearing what I'm saying. Open up your mouth and thank God for his grace. Thank God. I'm not what I used to be. Thank God. Though I'm not what I'm supposed to be. Thank God. I will not let a rock take my place. I will open up my mouth. Come on. I need a five seconds praise break. Open up your mouth. And give God praise. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Come on. Yes. Yes, we're going to praise the name of the Lord. He's worthy to be praised. And so here it is now. Here it is. That nobody was left. And that, listen to me, write this down. That gave Jesus the legal right to speak truth. Because the law said there has to be a witness in agreement. Oh God. And since there was no one there to be in agreement. Oh. Y'all missing that. Truth was saying, there's no witness. There's no witness who didn't come in agreement. So now I'm going to say, I don't condemn you. So I didn't violate the law. I fulfilled the law. My God. I feel like taking my jacket out because that'll be a place for you to. See, the devil wants to come in agreement with his lies. He wants to come in agreement with his lies so he can then bring the accusation so he can throw the stones at you. But when you understand that God, hallelujah, through Christ has set you free from the sin and death, you can realize there's no witness except the witness of the Holy Ghost. And if I come in agreement with the witness of the Holy Spirit, I have life and peace. He didn't violate the law. No, baby. He fulfilled it. And he gave her the legal right that when she left his presence, she can say, I'm forgiven. But you broke the law. But there was no witness. There was no witness. All I witnessed was grace and truth. So that's what I'm going to talk about is grace and truth. I can't talk to you about what I was doing in the bed. Oh, God. I can't talk to you about what I was, my past was like. I can only talk about what I witnessed and what I witnessed was grace and truth. So what I witnessed, I'm going to tell you about because if I come in agreement to what I witnessed, I'll walk in life and peace. And I don't know about you, but I don't like the chaos I was living in. I don't like the confusion that I was in. So you won't speak death over me because Jesus spoke life over me. So drop that rock. Come on. So in the church, there should be no rock thrown in the church. We're supposed to take all those rocks and we come to the altar and build an altar of sacrifice. Tell your children, come on, we're going to build an altar 
a sacrifice. Put your marriage on it. Come on. Put your business on it. Put your dreams on it. Put everything on it on the altar of sacrifice. Because of grace and truth. Because of grace and truth. So let me now share this because I'm not sure which Wednesday, but probably not this one, next Wednesday. I believe the Lord's told me we have to do a prophetic uh, anointing for people for life assignments. He brought me to Ezekiel, the dry bones. And he says, they got to learn how to speak prophetically. And I said, I don't have enough Sundays. He goes, no, you got you to interrupt your inspired Marin and let me in. I'm like, you can come in, Lord. And this, this particular service is where he took the prophet and brought him in the middle of dry, dry bones. He says, can these bones live? Can, can this marriage, can this relationship, can this business, can it live? And we're going to teach you how to speak life to those things. Here's so two things. Two things we're gonna wrap up with this. Two things. When it comes to life, choose life and speak life and live life. There are two things that you can't run away from. It's the questions of life, and it's the quality of life. The question of life and the quality of life. And this woman that was brought in front of Jesus was probably asking the questions of life. The questions of life. So as I was studying for this message, I, I came across this statistics about uh, the generation that exists currently, uh, the millennial uh, generation, and how they are leaving the church in record numbers. That they're leaving the institutional church. Be careful when you speak to add a word to something that God didn't add a word to. He didn't say, I'm building my institutional church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So I'm building my church. Stop adding stuff to it. It's called marriage. Not traditional marriage. It's called marriage. Not traditional. Marriage is what he called it. You may not like it, but that's what he called it. So what you want is you want to bring a separation. Ah. So I want to separate you from God. So I'll just put the word tradition in front of you. And we start speaking that language of the church. Yeah, traditional marriage versus non-traditional Speaking the language of the enemy. It's called marriage. You can call whatever you want. I'm just telling you I'm called it. That's what he called it. So I'm not saying you can't call what you want to call. I'm just telling you this is what he called it. And so here he is now. And they're leaving the institutional church. And, and that bothered me. It, it, it did. Because here's what we're supposed to be doing. The church is supposed to be launching people into their assignment. Not people leaving their assignment. Can I, can I, can I teach this thing? So every generation, I don't care what you label them. My generation, your generation, all had issues and challenges growing up in the church. We all had them. And so I read this article and it says here that, that, that they're abandoning God. They're not abandoning God, excuse me, just the church. Okay, let me, let me, let me I'm, I'm not denying that, but I'm trying to decipher that. What? How could you not abandon God, but you're abandoning his church? You don't know life then. And what is going on 
is we don't know how to do life together. That's really what they're saying. They're not abandoning God or the church. They're saying we don't know how to do life in this environment. Because they're going to other outlets. They're called the spiritually homeless and frustrated. So they're now using podcasts. So they're still a church. Because they think I can exit the building because that's what makes me the church. And no, it doesn't. It makes you part of the body. I'm teaching this thing. Right? I'm teaching this thing. And so here it is now that you can't run. God will not be mocked. You can't run from God. You need community. You need life. And so here they are now coming together. And I, and here's what she wrote. And I quote, which begs the question, where do these people go and how do they feed themselves spiritually? If they're abandoning the institutional church, but they're not abandoning God, the question is being asked, where are they getting their, where are they getting fed spiritually? A legitimate question. And so here it is saying, we couldn't ask questions in church, is what they're saying. Because we have questions about evolution, about LGBTQ, and, and we have questions about evolution, and we have questions about the environment, and we have all this, which is a product of the culture, by the way. Right? And, and so all these questions that they're having, and here is the church now silent, where the church should be saying, this is life! I can answer the questions of life. Every single question. I don't care what question comes to your mind right now. It could be answered from the Bible. Every question could be answered from the Bible. We probably have to spend time in the Bible to be able to answer them, mind you. But the answers are in the Bible. I'm getting this holy boldness. Thank you, Teresa, for praying that. This holy boldness. It's in the Bible. Now I'm not saying, well, what tie should I wear today? Come on. Come on. Is that a question of life? That's a question of dress. Now, if you want to talk about modesty, now that's in the Bible. Come on. Right? That's in the Bible. And so we want to talk about this thing. And so here it is. That they're leaving church. And it says it. But, but, but here's what we need discernment. Someone said, give me discernment. As pastors, we have to be careful we can discern when people are leaving the church. Because sometimes they're leaving the church like they did with Jesus. Where Jesus says, hey, you guys been walking with me? You've been seeing the miracles? You guys are cool? Hey, I'm part of the gang? That's my posse? You know what I mean? Hey, I got Jesus. Da, da, da. You know, and so they're all excited about that. Jesus now says, oh, you like living together. Well, let's talk about life. Unless you eat of my bread, eat of my body, my flesh, and drink of my blood, you, you, you don't have no part of me. And he goes to a deep teaching on communion and what it means to have life together. And here's what the Bible said. Many of them no longer follow Jesus. And they left Jesus. Not a movement, not a denomination. They didn't leave the Methodist movement or the Presbyterian. They left Jesus because they didn't know this between living and life. Between living and life. So I, I said, I said, honey, we're, we're, we're going to do life. And I told the kids, we have to schedule this stuff. Life gets so busy that you have to make the priority. I said, Thursday, we're going to go out as a family. And I'm picking it because the first time I did it, they were saying, I, want to go, I mean, it was ridiculous what they were saying. I'm like, sorry, it wasn't ridiculous. Sorry, honey. You know, I love you. It, it, it was real good stuff. It was, it was real, real good stuff. So I said, I'm going to pick the first one. So we decided to go to the mall. And, you know, we're, we're at the mall. And, oh, gosh, I gotta hurry up. and, and, and so we, we get to the mall. And, and we're, we're there. We're eating. And all of a sudden, the question came up. So what about our house? You know, the girls were asking that. 
And all of a sudden, my spirit just came up. God said, when you release your book, I'll release things to you. I said, what'd you say, God? He said, when you release your book on life, I'll release the house that you want. That was birthed out of doing life together. So there are dreams that God is saying, once you do life together as a church, I'll release those things to you. I know I'm teaching this thing. And that's why our card was on every single seat because we're going to speak life. Because the moment we come together and God restores us one to another, things you've been believing God for, dreaming about, things you've told your neighbor, you told your friend, you told your parents, come on, you told your sibling, you told everybody about it and it's not happening and they're laughing at you. No, you're about to witness it in 2017 if we know how to do life together. If we know how to do life together. We drop the rock, we drop the stone, and we now start speaking life, and we start declaring life. So when you tell me your dream, I don't cut it down, I bear witness with it, I come in agreement with it because it matches the word of God, and I speak now grace and truth over your life, and all of a sudden our dream starts to manifest and things starts to happen. My God, I'm feeling this thing. So when people leave the church because they don't want life, there's nothing we can do about it because Jesus is life. But when people leave the church because their questions weren't being answered, that's on us. We have to answer those questions that they're asking. Let me read to you this. Rachel Held Evans, uh, CNN uh, uh, belief blog, she said this. Why millennials are leaving the church? She says, time and again, the assumption among Christian leaders and evangelical leaders in particular is that the key to drawing 20-something back to the church is simply making a few style updates. Edgier music, more casual services, a coffee shop in the fellowship hall, a pastor who wears skinny jeans, and an and updated website that includes online giving. But here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. Having been advertised to our whole lives, we millennials have highly sensitive nonsense meters. And we're not easily impressed with consumerism or performances. In fact, I would argue that church as performance is just one more thing driving us away from church and evangelism in particular. My interpretation on the Holy Ghost, be more present-driven than performance-driven. Do life together and you'll attract people from every culture, every creed coming in. Because one thing that is common to everybody is the question of life is how do we do life? How do we do life? So they ask the question, Jesus, what do we do here? And he answered them, choose life. Speak life. And live life. Let me launch you out with this now. The question of life is being asked of the church. And what the church is to do now is to live the quality of life that's found in Jesus. That's found in Jesus. He says this. What Jesus did for the woman who was caught in adultery, it was more than just behavioral modification. What he did was he gave her a new life. The gospel is not only, and I'm quoting, the forgiveness of sins, but it's a new quality of life that overcomes the power of sin. So Jesus didn't say, leave my present. He launched her out of his oh. He launched her out with a new life. 
Because she witnessed life. And when you have witnessed life, it is impossible not to speak life. And so here it is now that when she experienced the quality of life, Jesus now gave her the power, oh my gosh, to overcome the very thing that she was caught in over here. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Right? And so here it is real quick. Real, real quick. This is it. This is what you need. Write these scriptures down, and then I'm going to launch you out here. Write these scriptures down. Write this down. John 6, verse 63. John 6, verse 63. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. Someone said the Spirit gives life. So if the Holy Spirit is in you, you have life. So the Spirit gives life. So you have no excuse not to speak life. Okay? The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full. They are full of spirit and life. And so when you live with the fullness of the spirit, you give no room for the enemy to come in and bring accusations so you can come in agreement with it. Oh, gosh, I'm fighting the When you're full of the spirit of life and peace, you give no room for the enemy to bring any witness of accusation. So you now in your soul realm come in agreement with that accusation and you step into death. No, no, baby. I'm full of the spirit. I'm full of the spirit of God inside of me. It's in my big toe and it's all the way up into my head. Praise God. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. I already told you about Galatians 6, 7 and 8. And this word life is the word zoe. It's the word zoe, me and my Greek. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but that's why I wrote it down. Zoe. You came to have zoe. So his way is zoe. So we're going to end with this now. Everyone put your hands on your mind, right? On your hands on your head, right here. Right here. I'm going to speak this over your life right now. Don't worry, Facebook is not seeing this, so it's okay. No, one, no one's seeing this, so you're good. Then you're looking with the head. Come on. Be obedient. Be obedient. Just, just put your hand on your head. Okay? Now I'm speaking this over your life now because I'm going to launch you out of here. You'll be launched out of here now. He says, therefore, Romans 8, 1 and 6, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Oh, come on, somebody. Let that penetrate your mind. Let that, let that sink deep into your spirit. God launched me out in this word here. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offered. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Two more verses and I'm going to let you go after this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds, that's why I have to put your hands on your head, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, someone say, I'm living in accordance with the Spirit. Come on, say it loud, I'm living in accordance with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So this morning, this March month, you no longer desire the things of the flesh. You now desire the things of the Spirit. And whatever the Spirit desires, you come in agreement with it. It has to matter. Oh, I'm preaching this thing this morning. Hallelujah. I sense the power of agreement in this house in Jesus' name. So the mind governed by the flesh is death. Someone say, no more death. death. 
but the mind that is governed by the spirit. Ready for this now? Ready for this? But the mind governed by the spirit is zoe and peace. Receive that. Ah, put your hand back on your head. I'll tell you to take your hand off here. Come on. Keep your hand back on your head. Come on, come on, I'm launching you out now. I'm launching you out. I'm launching you out. Come on, come on. Full. I, I want more, Lord. I want more of your spirit. 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 Because I am going to live life. Okay, put your heads down. And this is it now. You ready? Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Here is our why. Here is our why. Remember I told you earlier, we, we, we don't know what he wrote. We know where he wrote, but we didn't know why he wrote. Here it is. Here it is. Came from Bill Hybel. And this is my why for why I do ministry. A high percentage of the human race hits the pillow at night feeling like their day was a waste. A waste of life. They did not move anything eternal ahead. They did not touch any lives. They did not do anything that is going to outlast them. And that is how people are living. But you and I, because we're governed by the Spirit, we are not going to tell people it's not just how you live, it's about life. It's about life. Jesus walks. Jesus walks. Come play some music. Yeah, so I know I'm, 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 Jesus walks, and the crowd is following him because, because they're asking questions. And in Luke 5, Jesus walks. Have you ever read that story about Jesus walking and he gets in the boat? Have you ever read that story? In Luke chapter 5? So here he is now, he's walking, the crowd's coming to him, and he gets into the boat because the, the fishermen, they were out and they were mending their nets because that's how they made a living. And he gets in the boat and he teaches the people because they were asking questions. So he teaches them the question of life and he teaches them the quality of life. At the end of it now, and I'm telling you right now, when you give your life to Jesus, just like the boat was used for Jesus to bring the word, to answer the question of life and the quality of life, when you give him your life and he comes into your life, look what happens. It's not about just making a living anymore. It's about life. Are you ready for this? Give me 60 seconds to bring this revelation to you. Here was Jesus. Now, the crowd was following Jesus. Not a man, not a movement following Jesus. He now says, I need someone that will give me their life. And he steps into the boat because it was their livelihood. Oh, gosh. The boat represented their livelihood. Jesus now comes in. And what now was the kingdom of the world now became the kingdom of God when he stepped into it. And after he teaches them now, he says, go deeper. Oh, God. He used the word in the King James, launch out. Don't leave your boat, launch it out. And he launches out into the deep things of God, the spiritual things, the things that desire. And once they launched it out, the very thing that brought their livelihood started to gather. Oh gosh. Because they knew the spirit was moving. And so here it was now. He says, now, throw down your net for the catch. You gave me your life. And I'm a rewarder of those who choose life. Because you allowed me to use your boat to bring life to the people that was coming around. And here it was that prior to me, you were trying to make a livelihood. And it was a drought. There was nothing. And so here it is now, because I stepped into this dimension now. He says, launch out. And here what happened now. Here he goes now. And they catch this a mighty amount of fish. That they have to beckon their partners. Come and help me. The harvest is so much. There is life. I can feed my family. I can do what I want to do now because of Jesus. And I obeyed his word. They went from making a living to having life. And I can prove it. Because after the catch 
of the fish. You thought they would have said, we're back in business again. Let's build another business. They left all of that because that was only making a living. And they followed life. They followed life. I saw what you did there, good God Almighty. I'm going to follow you because as long as I choose life, I will always have a livelihood. God wants you to trust him this morning. With your life and not just your living. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. I don't want to assume there's people here that, that don't know Jesus. But, but if, you, if you don't know life, you need to choose life right now. If you don't know life, you need to choose life right now. You need to choose life. But I believe the majority of people in here, what you need to make a decision about is about this. Spirit, govern my life today. How you're living, if it's not lined up with the word of God, come on. Come on, let's make a decision. I'm going to be governed by the spirit of life and peace. We're working on a small group to have, it's called, it's called, ready. And, and so with, with, with Jessica, we're working on this to offer this. Guess what it's called? It's called financial peace. <laughs> so the spirit that brings life will also bring financial peace to you as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I bless you. Go with your people. As we leave this place, we leave launched in the spirit of the living God. Transform us. Renew us. And again, I declare this week will be better than last week. Because we have chosen life, we will speak life, and we will live life. We will not end the day saying that our life was a waste. We were governed by the spirit of the living God. Father, bless your people. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. It's 12.05. You got to go hug someone and say thank you. Let's do life together. Amen. Let's do life together. God bless you. Greet someone in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, next Sunday we have a fellowship. We want you to come to that. So bring some food. Bring some food and have a great...